The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Acts chapter 22, uh, and, and looking in verses 1 and 2. So here, Paul the Apostle says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Now, to briefly describe what has happened, the Apostle Paul has come to Jerusalem, and there's been, you know, he's been out touring the Roman world, planting churches through all these Gentile areas and cities like Corinth and Ephesus, and Philippi and Colossae and Thessaloniki and Greece, um, letters of the New Testament. But now he has come back to Jerusalem. Paul wanted more than anything in his life and heart to witness to the Jewish people, but God had sent him to the Gentiles. And this was the dream of Paul's life, probably over 25 years. Paul had begged the Lord, prayed to the Lord, called on the name of the Lord, please let me go to Jerusalem, let me go to my people, let me go to the Jewish people, let me go to the heart of Israel, and let me tell them about you who have revealed yourself to me. So, you know, he, Paul goes there, there are people lying about Paul, they're accusing Paul, he's against Moses, he's against the law, he's against Torah, he's going to all these Gentiles, he's telling Jewish people all over the Roman world, you don't have to be Jewish anymore, lies, 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 lies. But there, there's a riot that breaks out, and there literally a mob arises, and they're ready to take Paul, punch him, beat him, and literally tear him limb from limb. So I'm just setting up where we left off last week. And then a Roman soldier came and, and brought a garrison of 200 soldiers to fight their way into the crowd. Look, when a mob goes crazy like that, it's extremely dangerous. And we've had some mobs recently in our own country and it's frightening, it's terrifying. And especially when they're you know, ready to kill someone and they're doing it based on wrong information. So anyway, 200 Romans came in, fought through the crowd. I mean, they, you know, showing their swords and their spears and javelins and shields. And so they, they get to Paul. And, and now Paul starts talking to the lead Roman soldier. And he goes, look, he goes, they're my people. Let me talk to them. I'll be able to calm them down. I'll be able to explain to them. And that's exactly what the guy does. So we're going to hear that story. So here's the first life lesson for tonight. God supernaturally gives Paul a silent audience. Paul has authority here. He has been given special authority and they all get quiet. That was a miracle. That was not just because Paul said, hey, I want to talk to you all. God showed up. God brought silence to the lies and to the mobs. And what I want to make application to you and I is, God will do the same thing for you and I. And why, you know, but first of all, why would Paul want to speak to a mob that is screaming for his death? When the soldiers finally, here's the mob, they're grabbing at him, trying to punch him and kill him. And, and you know, why wouldn't Paul say, oh good, the soldiers are here, let me get out of here. Why does Paul want to stay? 
Why does, you know, let, let the soldiers rescue my life and I'll get out of here? And the answer is very simple and yet very profound. Paul's love for his own people was so passionate, so powerful, so intense. He had literally for years, maybe several decades, prayed for an opportunity to have an audience of thousands of his own Israeli Jewish people. And I want you to notice what it says here. He says in verse one, brethren and fathers, hear my apology, which is not apologizing, but in Greek it means my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all shh, supernatural silence came. Brothers and fathers, he is appealing to the closest relationship there is. I'm a Jew. I'm one of you. Now, what you've heard is not true, and I'm going to be straightening that all out. So one of the things that Paul had been accused of is that he is telling Jews they don't have to be Jews. And so Paul is now defending his loyalty to Israel and that he is preaching to the Gentiles was in obedience to the divine command. Now we have, we have all of these movies now. It's kind of interesting. The movies that make the most money are these Marvel comic movies about kind of these cartoon-like characters, but they are played by real actors. So what's the basis of the whole thing? It's you know these young men and women who have some kind of supernatural ability. Something that they have, and then you know this one has this gift, and that one has that gift, and they're all coming together and somehow fighting the bad guys and trying to help the poor people. But they have all these supernatural powers. And so what I wanna to say to you is that because you have the Holy Spirit in you, we don't have to be Marvel comic book characters, but the power of the Holy Spirit that is supernatural is with every single one of you. And as you, you have authority to speak, that people will listen in your house, in your home, wherever you may be. And when you speak, when you wanna just honor and lift up the name of Jesus Christ in the most vicious environment, which sometimes can be even a family environment, you can stand up and say, I wanna say something in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden there will be, they'll, they will respond in the spiritual realm, it's very powerful. <laughs> It's like in that one movie, in the Star Wars movie, where he says, these are not the droids you are looking for, right? Because they're all stirred up and it's like, what, a Jedi mind trick, Ooh. That's kind of what it's like with Paul. They're going crazy. And he goes, this is not the Jew you are looking for. I'm gonna tell you about the real Messiah. And there is supernatural peace. God will set you up with supernatural peace to look after you, to care for you, and to give you the desires of your heart. This was something Paul had wanted his whole life. So look with me in verses three through five. Now that Paul has been given by God, so if Paul could speak to an angry mob ready to kill him and say, peace, fathers, brothers, listen to me, in their own language. It was like Jesus saying, storm, be still, and it was. You have authority that's been given to you in Christ. So now in verses three through five, Paul is going to begin sharing. 
And he's going to share, what's he going to say now that he has this peace that's been brought by the Holy Spirit? He's going to share his testimony. Verse 3, he says, I am indeed a Jew. I'm not against the Jews, not against Israel. I'm certainly not against Moses. I'm not against the law. He says, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, which is Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel. That would be like a Christian in Southern California saying, I was taught under Pastor Chuck Smith of the Jesus people. Oh, well, we've heard of Chuck Smith and the Jesus people. For Paul to call on, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the most Jewish, one of the five most respected rabbis in the history of Israel, as a man who spoke of the beauty of the word of God, divine wisdom. Paul says, I was his student. I became a rabbi listening and being taught by Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. He goes, I'm one of you. I am a Jew of Jews, Pharisee, born in uh, Tarsus, raised in Jerusalem, taught at the feet of Gamaliel, verse four, I persecuted this way, these followers of Jesus, called the way, that's what the early church was called, followers of the way, to the death. He says, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Some were killed under him, like Stephen. Others were imprisoned, both men and women. He goes, I was as mad and rabid as you are today with me. As also the high priest bears me witness. You can say the high priest here today can testify that I was like you. And all the council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and even went to Damascus, the country next door to the north, to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. So he had everybody's attention. Oh, I didn't know that. Some did, some did not. Oh, now he's Jewish. He was actually, yes, he was born in Tarsus, but he was raised in Jerusalem. Wow, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. You can't get more Jewish than that. He's a Pharisee. He's one of us. He persecuted the way. And that's why we, we've heard and we're kind of mad at Paul right now. So he is laying everything up to share something very powerful, his own testimony. So look with me at this, verses three through five. The most powerful form of witness is your personal testimony. Paul is going to be sharing with them. You know, he's got all of these Jewish people, all of these rabbis. The Sanhedrin is out there. The high priest apparently is in the audience. And he could have given a Bible study, but Paul does something else. He gives something for that moment that was even more powerful. He shares his personal testimony. What I want to encourage all of you in tonight is that with all of the crazy things that are going on right now, God is setting us all up because in the midst of, you know, div divisions within the family and divisions politically, divisions about what to do with the virus and fear driving us off the edge of a cliff, there will be moments that God will give to you where the answer is not convincing them of you know, one political idea or another or solving this problem or that problem, but in the midst of that, God is going to grab your family or your friends or your coworkers or your neighbors and give you opportunity 
where you can share with them about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ and what he has done personally for you. That's the most powerful thing that we can do. And Paul basically is saying here, as he begins his testimony, he says, I'm not against being Jewish. I'm not against the law. I'm not against circumcision. I'm not against our customs. The message is clear. I understand why you attacked me. He says, I would have attacked me too if I didn't know better. I was once an attacker also. I know where you're coming from. So listen to me. Paul has been a believer, follower of Jesus for now more than 20 years. But I love the fact he could still relate to those who were not yet convinced or not yet followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So look with me, I love this. Uh, Beginning in verse six, verses six through 11. So Paul lays it out, he identifies with them. And that's the best way to begin a testimony is to identify with your family, identify with your friends. I'm just like one of you. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon. So he says, I'm on my way to you know, arrest these followers of the way, these followers of Jesus or Yeshua of Nazareth. He says, so I'm on the road to Damascus. And suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered and said, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Yeshua the Nazarene. In Hebrew, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me, Paul had a group, a posse of other, a band of police going to arrest Christians up in the area of Damascus. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and they were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus and there you will be told all things which you are appointed that are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, in other words, Paul says, once I saw the the glory of the risen resurrected Jesus that I didn't think he was alive. I thought he had died and then there was a rumor that the Christians had spread that he was alive. But there he was in the midst of the light of the glory of God. And then when Paul's, when that vision disappeared and Paul tried to see, you know, there in the road, he could not see. He was, by seeing the light of the Messiah, he was struck blind to everything else. So he says in verse 11, and since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, then I came into Damascus. So here's what I want to say. Paul says, I met our Messiah. I literally met him. I saw him. He spoke to me from heaven And it was Yeshua, because I didn't know who he was. Lord, who are you? I am Yeshua of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. He's telling them, I met Messiah, and his name is Yeshua. Now listen to this. People in those days, I, I want you to realize at this very moment, this 
crowd that just a few moments ago had been yelling, screaming, and tearing their clothes and throwing dirt in the air and wanting to grab this man and beat him and throw stones at him and kill him is now spellbound. There you cannot hear people barely breathe as they listen to the story of the Apostle Paul because people in that day believed in and expected supernatural things to happen. They're, they loved a God, and the God of Israel was a miracle-working God, a wonder-working God, a powerful God. He was the greatest. He was above all the other gods. In fact, all the others bowed down to him. And they were no doubt fascinated with Paul's story. And amazingly, Paul is affirming that not only the resurrection is true, which all Jewish Pharisees believed anyway, but that this Yeshua of Nazareth, who was beaten and crucified in, in Jerusalem, is alive. And Paul says, I saw his glory, and I heard his voice. Now, this is a powerful moment. Nobody is saying anything. Nobody is reacting. Nobody is responding. Paul is basically saying, I met Messiah, I saw Messiah, and then once I saw the light, I was blind. One of the most powerful stories in the New Testament Gospel of John is in the Gospel of John chapter 9, where there's this man who was blind, and Jesus comes to him, and he touches his eyes, and the man who was blind, who was born blind, is supernaturally healed and is able to see. And, and they, they, they come talk to him because the Pharisees that were against Jesus, he, they, why were they against a blind man seeing? It wasn't so much about the miracle of a blind man seeing, it was how Jesus did it. He didn't do it their way, by their authority, by their rules. He did it on the Sabbath. He did it, by the way, on purpose on the Sabbath. Because nowhere in the entire Old Testament, nowhere in the law of the Ten Commandments or all the other commandments in the entire Old Testament, nowhere once does the Bible say you can't heal somebody on the Sabbath. Yes, the Sabbath is about rest, the Sabbath is about not working, but they had made a man-made rule, their own interpretation, they laid on top of what God had said, and they made it illegal, and in fact, they said, this is from the devil if somebody is healed on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, you guys misinterpret, this is not what my father said, this is not what Moses said, this is not actually in the Bible, you made it up. And you're more concerned with following legalisms than a man who was born blind, who is now supernaturally able to heal, which I'm doing before you to prove to you who I am, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He was poking the bear. You know what that means, to poke the bear? When he, he kept doing miracles on the Sabbath, because over and over again, there's nowhere in the entire Bible, one verse they can point to and say, you can't do miracles on the Sabbath. He knew that he was gonna to be touching their legalism and their religiosity and how they could get so bound up with what their idea of right and wrong is, they had no compassion for a human being who was blind is now able to see. So what Paul is saying is, that was, that's my story. I was blinded by the light of the glory of Messiah, but now I can see. And he says, I met the Messiah, 
and I'm telling you, he, I didn't know who he was. I had to ask who he was. And he told me from the glorious revelation from heaven, I am Jesus of Nazareth. So here's something that I would love to share with you all about I met Messiah. Because there is, a, there is something going on right now because of the internet. You know, uh, the gospel went by the Roman roads 2,000 years ago. Uh, how did the gospel begin in this little ancient, you know, city a couple of thousand years ago named Jerusalem? How did, the, how did it get around the world? So that there's like 2.7 billion lovers and followers of Jesus Christ. God used, in those days, the Roman Empire, and he used the Roman roads to bring the gospel from Jerusalem throughout Rome and throughout the whole world. Well, guess what the Roman roads are today? The internet. And there's a lot of, how many would agree there's a lot of bad stuff on the internet? Be careful. But on the other hand, it's just a road. And the same roads that could take the Roman soldiers maybe doing bad things to other nations and people were the same roads that brought the missionaries to countries like Greece and Italy and Europe and brought and planted churches. So there is a website that I'm going to tell you guys about tonight. I'd like you to go check it out, especially if you have any Jewish friends, family members, uh, you know, neighbors, co-workers, but even for your own, because this, is, this has never happened in the last 2,000 years. It's called I Met Messiah, and I think it'll, if you go I Met Messiah and go to the website, it'll say uh, One for Israel, which is a ministry we're involved with. By the way, we are going to be giving this month all the money from our Nehemiah Fund uh, to the Middle East this month on your behalf. And every person who is part of Maranatha Chapel, you know, the Bible says, I will bless those who bless you, Israel. So we're going to be giving money we've collected from you guys, not out of tithes, not out of general offerings, not out of all the other ministries and things we do, but just those who above and beyond have, you know, given something to bless Israel. We give it to the Jewish believers, we give it to the Arab believers, but to promote the gospel there. So here's, here's something very exciting then, because when we give that, I will bless those who bless you. So we're finally giving the blessing you gave. So that means that from now on, and the rest of this year going into next year, you're gonna receive a blessing because you've been part of blessing the people of God. Are you, you guys good with that? Can I hear an amen? amen. Hallelujah. So I met Messiah. They're little testimonies, I think they're seven to 10 minutes long, and they're from Jewish people, religious, non-religious, atheist, science, sports, medicine, whatever, who knew nothing, heard, you know, had zero spirituality or whatever, or were orthodox. And in these little tiny testimonies, it's all these Jewish people that are like the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22 saying, I was on this road to making millions, or I was on this road discovering this, or I was on the road of whatever, worldliness, or my belief in anything and everything, or my belief in nothing, and all of a sudden, Jesus of Nazareth revealed himself to me, and I met Messiah, and as a Jew, I'm telling all the Jewish people of my generation, his name, he revealed it to me, is Jesus. Millions and millions and millions of 
Jewish people are watching these videos. They're not, you know, they don't, they're not in the church. <laughs> they may not even in Israel know a Christian, but if they're in Israel, they go, you know, there was this one guy, you know, he's the most famous Jews ever lived. His name is Jesus, but they don't know him. And right now, God is introducing them. I'm telling you, by the tens of millions, I mean, it, it just happened just recently where these testimonies, like the Apostle Paul, is giving to the whole Jewish people in Jerusalem that, and saying, I met Messiah, and he, guess what? His name, he told me, is Jesus. Some of them have seen him personally, visibly, gloriously, just like the Apostle Paul, or in a dream where someone has witnessed to them. So check it out. You will all have a great time. Amen? And by the way, when you share your testimony, it's very powerful. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. The reason your testimony is more powerful than any other book you could give them or argument you could give them or here, read this to, so I can explain it. But when you say, no, I was on this road, I was headed this way, and then I met Jesus of Nazareth. The beautiful thing is you are the expert in this one area. You're the expert on your own life. No other person, nobody on the planet can tell you about what you have experienced in life. When you say, no, this is what I thought, this is where I was, this is what I went through, this is what I felt. Nobody can tell you what you thought, what you felt, that you're the expert. No, not me, I'm telling you, this is what my life was, and this is what happened, and this is how he revealed himself to me. You're the expert, and they, nobody can argue with that. It's not a Bible study, it's not a theological thing. It is personal, and it is powerful, amen? Okay, look at me in verse uh, 12, verses 12 through 16. You and I are chosen to be a witness. So verse 12, it says, Paul continues his testimony. Then a certain Ananias, so he goes into Damascus, and a man named Ananias, a devout man according to the law. Now Ananias is a believer in Jesus, but Paul is emphasizing Ananias was a Jew, Yes, he believed Jesus is the Messiah, but he was devout man according to the law. He didn't give up anything on the law because the law is true. The law is good, <laughs> holy and good. We're not saved by it, but it shows us right from wrong. Having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there. So Paul is reiterating, whatever you've heard about me, I'm not splitting from being Jewish. And he came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him, and then he said, the God of our fathers, so that's what every Jewish person would say, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has chosen you, Paul, that you should know his will and see the just one, that's a very Jewish messianic phrase for the Messiah, and hear his voice, the voice of his mouth. So this is personal. It's not only a personal testimony, I heard the Messiah. Not somebody told me the Messiah said this, but literally that you're to be a witness and tell people what you've heard from the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. That's the power of the testimony. This is what I saw of the Lord. This is what I've heard. This is what I've experienced. This is what God has done for me. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And now it happened 
when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple that I was in a trance, and he begins to go on into that. We'll go there just in a moment. But you are chosen to be a witness. He had a divine encounter, and God's will was you speak what you've heard me say, what you've seen me do, and you share it with everybody else. Now, look with me again, beginning in verse 17. Verses 17 through 22, we're gonna call this the root of pride and prejudice, because now this is when everything is gonna turn. Suddenly, the quiet is gonna go to the explosion once again. It says, now it happened. When I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple. So he's saying, look, I'm Jewish. I go to Jerusalem, I go to the temple. I was in the temple. I had a supernatural experience to the Jewish people. They go, well, yeah, that's happened to many of our people and prophets. And I was in a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. (laughs) Oops. Now Paul is saying, the Messiah, who revealed himself to me and spoke to me, and his name is Jesus, said that I would come and share with all of you people, which you are all nicely listening to me right now. And then he said, you wouldn't be listening to me. (laughs) He says, they're not going to believe you, or they're not going to receive your testimony. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death. Paul says, I was such a you know, persecutor that I helped martyr the first martyrs, Stephen, and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. And then he said to me, he, Paul is saying, and this is what turns it from being quiet, respectfully listening, impressed with visions and trances, and oh, he's still Jewish and zealous for the law, etc. And this is when it goes berserk, is right here in verse 21. Then who, he said to me, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, who revealed himself to me from the glory above me, said, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And then all Bedlam broke loose. They were fine with him. Okay, Jewish, 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 Jesus, Jewish, Jewish. He's from Nazareth. Okay, he rose. Okay. And then Paul says, but then the Lord told me, you guys would not listen to me. And so then he said, basically, so turn away from them and go talk to the Gentiles. And they were like, ah, they go crazy. They go nuts. And here's the reason why. The Jewish people were not averse to being Jewish and bringing messages to Gentiles. But the messages, here's the only message that Jewish people, because they had grown with pride. They said, look, we're the chosen people. We're the beloved people. God loves us. And they would pray daily, thank God I wasn't born a Gentile. How many would agree that's pride (laughs) and prejudice? Thank God I'm not one of them. And they thought they were so big and so special. And then, okay, so maybe, maybe a Gentile could be saved if he's male, he gets circumcised, if he and his family come in and they become Jewish and they become literally in all of our customs and they follow all of our ways and they stop being a Gentile, then they can come in. And Paul is saying, no, he said they can stay Gentile right where they are with their life and their customs and with a few little changes, but that salvation is a gift by faith and it's totally open to the Gentiles. And that's when they just went crazy and they were angry and they were livid. That's, that is pride and that is prejudice. 
So from Abraham, but from Abraham until the time Jesus came, basically that was kind of the basis of salvation. By the way, yes, the one prophet they had go to the Gentiles, his name was Jonah. How many of you remember the story of Jonah and the whale, right? What was the message that God gave Jonah to bring to the Gentiles? It was in 40 days, God's gonna burn you, smoke you, toast you, and you're wiped out. And the Jews thought, that's a good message for a Jewish prophet to bring to the Gentiles, that they're gonna be wiped out in 40 days. And then what happened? The people repented. And the Jewish prophet, God, he fell into a depression because God did not judge them. Is that, a, that's, that's crazy. Talk about pride. He was excited to go tell them, God's gonna smoke you guys, God's gonna burn you guys, you're all going down. And they believed him and they got on their knees and they said, have mercy and forgive us. And then finally, Jonah goes, I knew you're so loving and so forgiving and you just let him off the hook. <laughs> he went into a depression. That's the story of Jonah. That's what the Jewish people were like. But God actually loved the Gentiles and he wanted to be able to say, no, they don't have to become Jews to be able to be saved, but they can come just as they are. But then 2000 years ago, now the church begins and the Jewish people reject the Lord. And then 2000 years later, there are many of the Gentile church that say, you know what? I thank God I'm a Gentile and not a Jew because they, the Jews, killed the Messiah. They crucified Jesus. God destroyed their temple and their ways. And I don't like Jews and I'm kind of anti-Semitic. And the church ends up with the same pride and the same prejudice. But look, Above Jesus' head is a sign that was written 2,000 years ago on the cross. And what did it say? Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Now, we know he's king of kings. He's Lord of lords and above them all. But I want to tell you this. He's still Jewish. He's still the son of David. You know, he descended from David. So we can't be pride and prejudice against Israel or against Jewish people. In fact, they're the sign that the Messiah is on his way back. So whether you're Jew or whether you're a Gentile, Jews don't have to become Gentiles, Gentiles don't have to become Jews, but everybody has to come to humble themselves, come together and believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the savior of the world. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay, so let's close by reading verses 23 through 30. Or verse 22, we'll start with there. It says, and they listened to him until this word. <laughs> what was the word? Gentile. And then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. Kill that guy, for he is not fit to live. And then as they cried out and they tore off, off their clothes and they threw dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging, that's like being whipped and beaten like Jesus was, so that he might know what they shouted so against him, or why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Uh-oh. When the centurion heard that, he knows he's in big trouble. He went and told the commander saying, uh, take care what you do, for this man's a Roman. That commander could be told on to Rome and literally lose his job, his pension, if not go to prison or even his life. You don't mess with Roman citizens. 
And then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? He said, yes. The commander answered, with a large sum of money, I obtained this citizenship. Paul says, yeah, well, good for you, but I was born a citizen, which means I got an even higher level. I was born a Roman citizen. Then immediately those who were about to examine him, meaning beat and flog him, which is against Roman law, which they could all get in trouble for, withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. And the next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews, he released him from his bonds and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. Okay, so we will stop there for tonight. The story will continue, but uh, all of a sudden, the Roman uh, commander changed very, very fast when he realized that. And I just want to say this to you. Listen very carefully. Closing observation. There is some that feel like as a Christian, our job is to submit and be beaten and, be, and suffer and just you know, lay down and let pe- the world do whatever they want to us. And what I want to show you here is that, you know, if, if th- that's an exaggeration. That's going too far. When they're beaten, Paul, he goes, oh, I'm suffering, you know, for the gospel. But he said, no, hey, do you guys realize I'm a Roman citizen? Basically, stop beating me. I have legal authority. So what I want to say is that if you can get out of suffering by using laws or citizenship or I am a citizen of the United States of America and I have certain rights that have been given to me by God and by the Constitution and I'm gonna be using those rights so that you're not persecuted or unfairly treated, biblically I believe it's okay. Can I hear an amen on that? We don't have to be a doormat. So we have the ability to stand up for our rights, fight for our rights and there's a certain power within the citizenship that Paul used. Now, he wasn't afraid to suffer or go to jail, as we know, but I believe he gives us a good example. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.